Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to episode 14 of the KDH podcast. I can't even believe it's 14 now. So the subject today is a bit of an impromptu one, if that's the word. Me and Andy are back on. I'm coach. I'm joined by coach Andrew Banks. I've had him on the podcast already. We're getting guests on again. That's how fucking much the podcast is growing. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm actually pretty choppy. I've just finished a 14-hour day, and... Um, so pretty long and I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling good. So the podcast today, ladies and gents, is going to be 10 lockdown life lessons and returning to the gym in Scotland with coach Andy Banks. So what we're going to do, we're going to give five each and then we're going to give feedback on each other's life lessons and then go for there. And then we've been in the gym as well. Well, I've been in the gym this week. I don't know if Andrew has. And we're going to give a bit of feedback. Not on... yet, yeah, but Not so yet, no. So, so you so Andrew's feedback's actually invalid, so I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've just, too much on, man. Health and safety, I've got to do all these documents for going into venues, so yeah. it's a real job. I know, it must be, it's an absolute, it's, it's a cluster, but it's, a, it's, an, it's an essential though, so um, yeah. obviously. Got to make sure your, your clients feel safe, I suppose, you've got to prioritise that. That's the main thing, isn't it? Um, yep, so we're going to start off. Andrew, do you want to go first with your first lockdown life lesson? And then we'll go for there. Sure, sure. Um, so I, I made some notes before I came on just to keep myself right. So, um, yeah, num- number one, a um, bit, bit of a deep one, but not becoming, I think, not becoming a victim of your own excuses, right? And, and this is something that I think we, we all do. We all have what I would say is like loops or cycles um, in terms of excuses that we, we use quite often, right? I'll, I'll give you an example. So um, I've talked to this before to my clients and a lot of my clients comment on it. I'm a guy that runs late often, right? I run late all the time. And the reason for it is I have terrible time management. I think the thing that, that tasks are going to take a lot less time than they do. And it means that oftentimes... I run late and it's very unprofessional and I hate it with myself but I, I've noticed throughout my life I create excuses for it right like I'll be like oh, you know like if, if a drive takes let's say 30 minutes then I will just set off 30 minutes before that drive my wife will say to me we should be out the door 45 minutes before you want to get there whereas I'll be like ah but it only takes 30 minutes but that doesn't take into the fact there could be a tract on the road you know Everyone knows these things, but apparently I don't. So what I'm getting at here is that often in life we, we create excuses for um, for problems that we have, right? Um, and we don't create solutions for them. So if I can tie this in with fitness, you know, people will often say things like, I've got a really hectic and busy social life. Yeah. Um, so they're out every weekend, they're drinking, they're, you know, eating crap on a Sunday and they just create excuses about it. So they'll say like, oh, it was somebody's birthday and then after that there was a wedding and then I was on a holiday. And before you know it, like 14 weeks have gone by and they've made no change to their lifestyle, no change to their body, no change to their health. And what I'm saying is like, when, when can you identify that as a problem and no longer excuse it and then actually think about creating a solution? Yeah? Yeah. What do you think? Do you think something that's kind of happened for you? Do you ever have like a cycle of an excuse that you may make up? Technology. Technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Time. Yeah. Like, 
oh my god, man, yeah. I can't stop getting notifications through on my phone in my computer and it's just making little noises. It's so unprofessional <laughs> for my podcast. And uh, <laughs> Sorry. But, um, so yeah, I, I do see to be talk, talking about technology and it's kicking off for you. I know, man. Talk, I know. To be honest, Andrew knows this firsthand. I actually do embrace it. Like, like a lot of folk would look at my content online and be like, Chris, knows his shit. I know how to edit videos, I know how to do this, but if a problem arises, I do tend to fucking spit the dummy. But I have had, I'll hold my hand up and say I've had a lot of issues recently that's genuinely been like things where it's been out of my control. But I think it, I totally agree with it, mate. I do feel like sometimes people just put the brakes on and you see it all the time. You see it in fitness, you see it with things that people go, I can't run, I can't. And then you go, have you ever actually tried to progress it? And they go, no. Have you ever actually received some form of coaching? No. And I totally get that as well with people where they say things like, I think it's almost like a bit of a, it's like a bit of a, a, a guard, isn't it? Sometimes where people say things like, oh, I don't do that. Like, you wouldn't catch me doing that because I'm always out at the weekend or something. And it's almost like a bit of a safeguard. And I think that kind of ties in with identity as well. If you identify as someone that doesn't win, then you're not going to be a winner. And I suppose you could start doing 100%. it. People, yeah, people say that all the time. They'll say, now that's another one that's quite common is people say to me, oh, the, the pro, like I, I'll say like, uh, you know, I'm obviously an advocate of flexible dieting, being able to, to have chocolate, drink, uh, and do these things in moderation and, and track your calories. And often the, the first excuse that someone will give me when I talk to them about a system is they'll say, I can't just have one chocolate bar though. Yeah. And I'm like, that's precisely your problem. Like the statement that you just made right there is part of the issue that you've caused for yourself. Is that part of your, you've, you've ingrained that in your mind that I can't just have one chocolate bar. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're already talking yourself out of it straight from the start. I it's do like, that. Have you, have you ever really, and I mean really tried, like have you ever just said my mission this week is to have one day but I have one chocolate, because I guarantee you, like, you know, you always do this mad example. If someone said, put a gun to your head, right? <laughs> said, Today you're going to eat one chocolate bar. Suddenly, I think you would manage to eat one chocolate bar. So it, a lot of the time, it's just people, um, get, it's, it's what I'm talking about, the excuse loop, like they get stuck in this fucking repeated loop of something happening in their life them making the excuse to bridge and protect their self-esteem because that's essentially what they're doing right when someone creates that excuse um, about a problem that's in their life people see the problem or like they think that people have seen the problem so they kind of like sweep it under the rug by using some excuse it makes them feel better it makes them feel like people see better of them but i suppose um, it's ultimately damaging for that person's progression and growth yeah, no, definitely. It is. And I think I do it in my boot camp all the time and I'm talking to everyone and I'm like, you need to break these things down in your head. Where I, like Tonight I gave the guys a pretty grueling workout and it was like, it's as grueling as you make it, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you get back what you put into it. And I'm like, you need to break it down positively in your head and you can't think things like, oh my God, a 200 meter run. Oh my God. And it's, it's for eight minutes and you have to start looking at it like, well, um, I'm not as strong on this exercise here. However, this is I'm much better here. So I'll use this as my sort of active recovery. And that's I've done a lot of different fitness challenges. And I tell you what, that's what I do. I just break it down. Like when I ran up and down a mountain twice, I, I went like that. Well, when I'm running downhill, it's a, it's a rest. 
that's the way I fought it. So I'm technical and working half the time because the, 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 the uphill hill is the bad part. That's the tough part. And if you look at things positively like that, it will honestly get you so far. Like me and Andrew sat down at the beginning of lockdown um, five months before and came up with a plan as in like a game plan. Like what do we need as like, what is our outgoings? Because obviously everything was closing. We are one-to-one in group-based trainers and we sat there and wrote it down. We came up with a plan and because we devised it and came, we came out strong and we, we looked at it positively and we said, well, if we only make need to make, because at the end of the day, it, was, it, it came down to the point where we were looking at, we need to make money to cover our bills. We need to make money to live. And we looked at that figure and we worked it out. And then from there we went, cool, as long as we hit that, we're happy. And that's, that's exactly what we've done. And then it grew from there. And like, but then sometimes people will just look at it and go, I only work in a gym. I don't, and it's like, it's just a different perspective. It's just, it's how you identify and look at things. And lockdowns definitely taught me that is you just need to, since, see, to be honest, since I've been like a self-employed business owner, like it it has been like that. I just, you kind of just have to grab the bull by the horns, don't you? And just kind of go for it. You can't, like, if you are reactive and if you try and work against things, you realize that it just, it won't last long (laughs) at all. So you need to be as proactive as you can and not be reactive. But that was spot on, mate. I'll, uh, moving on to next one. So my first point of the 10, so second point of 10, is the biggest one of the biggest lessons for me is what to live. Do not live to work. Now, um, if anyone, you've probably heard me and Andy were talking about this once as well. Like You get books like The 4-Hour Work Week and you get all these different things. And they say to you that, like you can get down to a point where you can be making a six-figure salary and you can only work four hours a week. And it's to be honest, to me, it's bullshit because like if you if you people say if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life. No, it's not. You actually work extremely harder because you're very passionate about it. And before lockdown, what happened for me was I got stuck inside my business and I, I hit the point of a personal trainer where I was just I love one-to-one coaching. I love group coaching, but it was all I was doing. And then I couldn't do the other things that I wanted to do, i.e. this podcast, like loads of different things. This is just an example. And what you find is you need to sometimes learn to say no. You need to take a step back to move forward. Um, And even though I'm sitting saying it's pretty ironic from me saying I've worked a 14-hour day, I actually only done how many sets? Six sessions today in two boot camps. So a normal working day but I've actually done loads of other work on my business and my own training and stuff as well, which is part of that 14-hour day. So I know I is saying that, but whereas it would have used to have been, it would have just been back-to-back sessions. So you haven't actually got, you've helped a lot of people and you've you've obviously made income, but you, you could obviously take a step back to move, move a step further forward, if that makes sense there. And um, it's really taught me to put uh, rules in place. So now I no longer work, do coaching on a Tuesday, and um, I finish on a Friday afternoon and uh, I don't do PT in the evening. And just putting these parameters in place has been so empowering for me. And even like I've had people where they've even got in touch with me for, uh, for coaching and I'm like, no, nope, I don't do that. And it's just having that power of authority to say no because you, you need to put the rules in place because it's all well being a yes man, but when you've got your own business and you're doing that, being a, like what you, in the beginning you're a yes man because you're like, I need to get business. And then if you were constantly that bit, yes, man, you would find that you're just going to be running about like a headless chicken and it doesn't work like that. So make sure that you've got the balance right. Make sure that you are, you're taking time to switch off 
Um, and make sure you're obviously just taking some time to yourself because at the end of the day, you want to work to live, not live to work. What do you think on that, mate? Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, my my kind of I don't know. It, it's a tough one. I, I think my um, theory on on work. Um, I think there's two paths that you can take. Right. I think you either choose a job that gives you the capacity to, to have um, the life that you want to lead, or the second option is you pick a job that um, has a, a significant importance in your life vision in itself, right? I'm trying to explain this in a better way. So, for example, um, someone might choose because they, they have the skills and the tact and the personality for it to join the police force, right? And they become like a police officer. This is the path that I wanted to go down, really. Um, when I was, was younger, my dad kind of pushed me, wanted to go to RAF, and then he said, right, go on the police force. Um, <clears throat> and if that would support, like, like I'm, I'm not someone who's very materialistic, so it probably would have supported the lifestyle I wanted. Have a nice house, go a holiday, have kids. Um, but it would have left me feeling maybe empty in the, not empty in the workplace, but maybe um, not as passionate about my work, not as driven about my work, I'm not saying like completely, because um, you, you know, still, still I've got a job that's got a purpose. Um, but the main thing is that, you know, when you leave your work, hopefully you can switch off from it and it allows you to support you having the lifestyle that you want to have. The second option, which is the option that I've picked and I think you've picked, is to pick a job that you're very passionate about, but it really becomes part of your lifestyle. It's a lifestyle kind of job, right? It's not like it becomes very blended with your home life. You can't really <laughs> like um, separate the two. They become um, quite linked, yeah? And that decision is different for every individual, right? Yeah, if I look like, again, I like talking to my wife, like my wife is someone who probably has picked option one, right? So it's her better. It's not to say that she doesn't like have a passion for the job that she's in, but her work is, is secondary to maybe um, supporting her lifestyle. Whereas I would say that my work is almost up there with like, with my lifestyle. It's very, the work becomes a priority. Yeah. yeah, I'm the same. And that and that comes down to just it's just difference in, in people. And that's what ultimately I think separates those who are successful with self employment and those who are not. Yeah. Um if you if you're someone who really enjoys the fitness industry but can't see yourself prioritizing it over most things in your life, right? Um, especially initially, then I would suggest that you get a fitness related job. And not go self-employed. That's just that's just like a, a, what I would say. Um, whether whereas if you're someone who's like very passionate about fitness, very driven, and willing to prioritize it in the short term, you don't have to do it long term. Over you over your life, yeah. Then it's a very good choice, and it's it's you know ultimately very very rewarding. And it has been for me, and it's probably been that way for you as well. Yeah. So that's you know and it. I kind of fudge my words a bit, but that's kind of what I think the two pathways that I see are, right? No, you've got that choice. I 
totally agree with you, mate. I feel like the work, state... uh, work supports your life, or work is um, almost really up there in your priorities in life. Like, like, do you, you know, having an impact in your workplace? How important is that to you as a person? Like, um, and for some people, it's maybe not as important. No, they have some huge, massive impact in their workplace. Um, and that's that's up to them. You know, people might be like, "Oh, that sounds quite sad," but like, like other people probably think, you know, I definitely have from some of my friends. Like, God, like just being so engaged in your work and grossing your work—that's quite sad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it just depends on on who you speak to. Yeah, no, Everyone, I some of my friends have the same outlook, but folk don't get it. Then some folk totally do, and they're like, "It's pretty, it's a good thing." So yeah, it definitely does. It's like obviously getting that balance right, and I think when we are in that second bracket of where it does become a big part of your life, that separation is important. But even today, little things like today, I felt that way where I had a busy day and I just knew to go out a walk. You start to know what you need to do um, to, you get very aware of how your head's working and stuff and you know when to detach. And you know. That's, that's another thing as well is, is depending on what camp you're in there will depend on, what you're going to actually have to focus on. Like I tend to find personally that I have to focus very, very hard to pull myself back from spending obscene amounts on work. Like I'm the kind of person that would prioritize my work (laughs) over, over personal relationships. I've done it in the past. Like I've, um, you know, I've not, not eroded friendships, but like I've definitely done some damage to friendships because I just don't speak to my mates because I'm just so busy with work. So, and that's something that I have to work on to be a wholesome person. Like I have to be like, fucking hell, like, you know, I need to pull back and actually live some of life. But then the other, on the other camp, you get people who <laughs> maybe do it the other way. Do you know what I mean? You get people who are just like super chill, like enjoying life, the fruits of life, but then maybe aren't as productive. Yeah. And that that's i suppose that's the ultimate dream and it's is to find your where your ass sits on that line <laughs> and find a, place, find a place of i think happiness is a really i think happiness is fleeting but contentment i find yeah. i think where does your where do you feel content parking your ass right <laughs> there you go there's there's my quote for this podcast yeah. where do you find contentment parking your ass between productivity and enjoying the fruits of your labor yeah, because no, if you're enjoying the fruits of your labor, then you're you're not going to be as productive, right? If you're out in, you know, Vegas having a great time, you're not producing anything. But if you all you do is hustle and work, then you never get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. So you've got to find where's your point that you, you're happy to, to put your, yourself. Yeah, I think when you start to see really successful businessmen and, and women, you start to see that... Um, they that a lot of the most successful they have a bit of a they can all talk about this part where they've been through a really really busy lifestyle it's destroyed relationships it's destroyed things but then 100%. as they get older they realize that they have to book at least three holidays a year for two weeks at a time they <laughs> yeah. but then then they don't work after a certain time and i suppose you just become more understanding of the ground rules and i think that it's it's very well saying these things but i suppose it's like learning a language you're not going to do it right away you need to, to do it over time. So what's your next point, mate? Um, okay, so the next one. Oh, here we go. 
that's what I am with <laughs> on, on, on things. So just consistent effort trumps pretty much every, every, everything. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Like, you know, um, it, it, I think it just goes for anything. Like, it does. If, I, you consistently, I, if you consistently show up, you will get results. The difference between different people and their results, um, apart from consistent effort, is like a mirad of factors that literally you shouldn't concern yourself with. Yeah. That's, that's totally. what I was, you know, people think, are always like looking for the, the magic, like the secret, the one statement, the, the one pill, the one book that is going to like, the one lesson that is going to change um, the, the path they're on life. But I would say like consistently just having a goal and consistently trying to move towards that goal is the most important thing that you will ever do end of. It's uh, falling in love with the process. That's the, that's the key is like literally, and I know there's so many different things. Like a lot of folks say you need to find an exercise that you enjoy. At the end of the day, most folk want to build muscle and get a bit of shape. You're not going to get that at fucking Zumba. You're going to do that lifting weights. You know what I mean? So don't catch yourself on. But people, I suppose, um, would find that out for themselves if they just consistently showed. Like if someone consistently turned up to Zumba, right? (laughs) And after five weeks, they're like, my biceps are not growing the way that I thought they were going to grow turning up to this. Uh, Maybe I should try something else. (laughs) <laughs> and then they walk into the gym and there's like I did with big yeah. arms curling they're like I'm going to give that a go bingo and then they consistently you know what I mean like yeah. you know no matter how bad I think people second guess yeah. themselves a lot like so, I've been bad like so many times yeah. Yeah, sorry, but so many times you, you pick something in your head and then you just fucking dilly dally you know you're like uh, I don't know like like you probably do it yourself like you know when you're making an exercise program and you're writing it yourself, and you go, Romanian deadlifts? Or hamstring curls? Fuck knows, man. Like, what one? Like, just pick pick one. And then consistently keep doing it. And then you, you eventually figure out what one's the best one, right? I was talking um, to someone today about exercise selection and programming. When you could do fucking the same program for five years, do you know why you change the exercises and program? Because it gets boring. <laughs> and it's important. I remember like people talking about like it was like when you hear people talking about like the importance of changing these things up to shock things a lot, and I'm like you do realize that you could do a program that was lunges, fucking bench press and lat pull down, and you could be a fucking unit. Like, well, I mean, the thing I always use to direct people away from this ridiculous idea you need to shock your body is: Have you ever seen the best professional athletes in the world that are in like ridiculous shape, like boxers, for example? Mike Tyson, when he was in the best shape of his life, he wasn't like randomly going, do you know what? For the next four weeks, I'm going to do Zumba just to change things up and start spurring some shock factor. No, he, would, he just he trained boxing and he, all that happened was the intensity and volume of his boxing training changed over time. But all he did was box and maybe lift some weights. It never changed. You know, it wasn't like there was massive drastic changes. Whereas, People like you, you get people who are not professional athletes at all, just looking to lose a bit of weight. They've been trained for two weeks and they're worried. They're like, I've not changed up in a while. I wonder if my body's getting used to it. And you're like, no, <laughs> it's not getting used to it. You've been trained for two weeks. 
I know. It's uh, but then you've got folk like fucking Ronaldo promoting like ab trainers, and you're like, mate, you're a professional football player. That's how you look like that. No, you don't. You don't get those abs with the ab belt. You get the abs because maybe. you've been training since you were like walking. He's one of the wee guys. that definitely had abs. I, 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 he definitely had abs when he was a wee guy, didn't he? Ah, uh, definitely. He he was the one that had like veins and striations, like <laughs> at secondary school. Meanwhile, you're the view your wee pot belly, like <laughs> yeah. Can't wait the puberty kicks in. <laughs> Uh, so next one I'll head into that is like one of the things I kind of tied in already enjoyed the simple things like I've actually it didn't like I think what bothered me was just chilling my pals or maybe going out for a dinner see apart from that or going on holiday it didn't really bother me see like lockdown it didn't really um, and it, I know it bothered a lot of people a lot more and I know that there's obviously people in loads of different circumstances that it, it would have really negatively impacted him. And I was lucky enough to be in a good position where I did lose my job. Um, even though I was in my business, was like just went back to square one. So technically my position was was bad as well. But I was lucky to have a roof over my head and, and obviously be financially stable and stuff like that. But um, one of the things that I really enjoyed was the simple things. Like I've always, I've mentioned this before in my stories and stuff, like, I've always like been active, but through my jobs and stuff, and and even at the weekends and stuff. But like, I've never really been the sort of person that just goes, "I'm going to go a walk every single day." And since lockdown, it's something I do every day. I go a walk now. I just go a walk myself. I don't today. I done it. I, I just went out with Sky and um, went a walk. And I think like these little simple things. Like I done a lot of walking around Eglinton Park and stuff during lockdown and uh, near me and everything and. Like, I just proper enjoyed it. Like, just these little simple things, like, just chilling, like, chilling my family and stuff. And, I don't know, just these wee things. Like, I just enjoyed it. I feel like sometimes you can get so cloudy because you're getting, like, folk, you're, like, you're playing catch-up, trying to catch up with folk. And that's good, obviously. And you get so caught up in, well, I do, get caught up in my business and stuff that you forget about these things. And it was nice for things to slow down a little bit. But then they sped up because it was, like, Groundhog Day. And it was like, oh, my God, it's been six months. What? <laughs> That's um, it's part of like I suppose um, our culture, British people's culture. Like I can't remember. There's a comedian that talks about us, and he talks about it in a kind of funny way. Um, I can't remember his name, but he, he talks about how you know, in like that, like if you go to Australia, for example, right? People work, and then like after work, they might have the family round for a barbecue on a Monday, and they have a couple of beers, and it's all nice and chill, and everyone's just having a nice time. Yeah. You go to like Italy and they have like lunch and they go and have a wee glass of wine at lunch and then they go back to work and they just have that little positive experience at lunchtime. You come to the UK and people are just on a fucking mission Monday to Friday and then it comes to Friday and they fucking kick the doors off the hinges and they're like, fucking yes, it's the weekend, baby. Woo! You know, <laughs> just like, Fucking time, time, time for a takeaway. Saturday I'm out, and Sunday I'm getting a McDonald's, and and, and they just get stuck in that loop. Yeah, it's like we we don't. I suppose we um don't enjoy the moment. We try and we try and consolidate all of our pleasure. It seems like we try and like push it, and it like weekends and holidays, and not as you're talking about here, like rightfully enough, like enjoying the simple pleasures. 
Like, and I think people have maybe noticed that with COVID, that it slowed down the pace of people's life. People have been going wee walks. People haven't had to get up early in the morning to go to their work, so they maybe get up in the morning and did a wee 30 minute virtual workout, for example. Um, and, and all these wee different things, and they're starting to go, God, like, there's, there's little pleasures to be had day to day that when you're going at a, a breakneck pace, you you don't see them in the rear view mirror, right? You just don't see them. Yeah. So slowdowns allowed us all to to maybe to maybe kind of um, appreciate those things a little bit more. Yeah, you know? definitely. Um, and like, and I'm skipping on to my next one here, but it kind of ties in with that yeah. as well. Um, prioritize your sleep. Um, like. I've I mentioned it in my stories today. Like uh, these early starts and split shifts, they are kicking the ass out of me. I'm struggling with. I will. Uh, I can, I'm good at switching off in the evening. I'm going to bed early and stuff. But even still, it's just taxing on your body. Um, and throughout lockdown, I would consider myself a fit person, and I was able to escalate my fitness even higher because my recovery was so improved from my sleep. And I tell people to get good sleep all the time. And I think sometimes as a coach, you're like, I'm exempt. <laughs> like, I don't need seven to nine hours sleep. Um, and I know some folk can run on less and run on more. But personally, like my circadian rhythm, when I'm waking up at that time in the morning, half five, I am a bit done in. I'm pretty battered. And, uh, I think, I think it, it probably depends on, uh, you're right, I think it just depends on each individual. Like I've found uh, since having Evie, yeah, since having a baby, that... I've challenged how much sleep I do need. Um, and it's definitely a lot less than I originally thought. Like, I go to bed now at about, about half ten, and I'm now getting up at five in the morning. Um, and I've been doing that pretty consistently through lockdown. And if you had told me to do that about five or six years ago, and I tell you <laughs> to sling your hook, um, but now having, having the wee one, I prefer getting up in the morning and just doing some having having that wee half hour just to set myself up uh, an hour before work, um, and I feel like I pro- probably like does it affect my performance? Do I sometimes uh, get t- tired from doing it? Hundred percent because you're functioning on what's that um, five like is it six and a half hours? Yeah, six and a half hours. Yeah, six and a half hours. So functioning about six, probably six and a half, seven hours, whereas I used to function on about eight um, when I go on my app, and now I'm about six and a half, seven. But what I find is that the sacrifice, or at the moment for the short term, I don't know whether this will, this will always be the case, but the short term, the sacrifice of that hour of sleep is worth it for what it gives me in return. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably another thing. It's a balance of with, with sleep. You know, you, you hear it with these super successful when we're talking about them, like, you're like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, I sleep five hours a night, you know, you get like the rocks, like I sleep four hours. <laughs> just, it's almost because, I think, I think for some of these guys, it's just because they're, they're so hyper competitive <laughs> that maybe they're, they're just chatting, and I'm being honest, I think they're just, some of them are just chatting shit, right? They, they, they just, they just have this persona that the, they, they want to push and almost the media wants to push about them as well like if you're the rock and you're the sponsored by under armor and all these big brands right all these brands that are sort of this sort of alpha male if you want uh, image that it pushes you know i'm, I'm gonna be a world beater um then it kind of goes with the brand it goes with the, with the idea that you know fuck it i only sleep four hours like in fact 
sometimes I don't sleep, you know what I mean? Like I just, just work. I work straight through the night. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, sleep, sleep is important. Everyone should get sleep. I think the amount of it is variable. It's probably somewhere between six and nine hours. I don't think there's like this magic eight hours. Um, but most of the time, yeah, getting getting more than six is probably good for you. I think your sleep comes down to your quality of sleep as well. And it comes down to yeah. like... The... How, how well you're sleeping as well. Like, yeah, so, like, so, like when I, it... for example, when I go to sleep, I am out like a light. Like I, I just fall straight asleep into deep sleep and then... I don't wake up until the alarm goes off, whereas wife Leanne, she's up through the night checking that Evie's alright or she needs to go to the bathroom, whereas I am I'm dead to the world. Yeah, I'm, I, I think like when I was in the gym till 9pm and that and starting at 6, I had terrible sleep because I was my head was going like the clappers, I was coming in, I was eating late. I was doing things on my phone. I was fucking about, going to bed, waking up, reaching for my phone. And it was like, it was just it wasn't good quality because I was under so much stress. And I think stress yeah. is like so defined. It's not defined as one thing, stress, is it? It's, it so is it like, so when you go to sleep, is it you're just your head's bounced about with thoughts? Yeah, and then you're just, you're going to bed and just putting yourself in it. That's your body's time to recover. Um, you should try it. having a, a, wee, a wee book, man. Like a wee blank book with a wee pen at the side of the bed and just... No, right I'm much busy. better now. That was that was saying that when I was back in the gym. See, when I was before right, right. lockdown, like now I'm, yeah. I'm much better sitting right, saying this at ten past nine on a Thursday night recording a podcast. <laughs> um, but this was obviously to do with me and you being busy this week, so it was the only sort of time we could tie it in. Um, yeah. Obviously, needs must. Um, but yeah, um, no sleep so important. So obviously, look at it. A lot of folk. It surprises me how many folk think it's normal. To go to bed at like one AM, like um, but, yeah, again. But most of the people who are going to bed at one AM are up at like eight, so they're still getting a seven. Yeah, that's true. Because like that—that's what I've always noticed. Like people, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Like you can't. Your body has a certain amount of sleep that it wants, and it will find its way to get it out, out of you. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um. If you if you go to sleep at like one in the morning, you're generally going to be getting up at eight, seven, maybe early. Um, one of my best pals, Mark, he can actually sleep for like fourteen hours, man. He can just go. It's as if he can just go, go to sleep. Just <laughs> He's like the It's like the genetic outlier, right? There's somebody out there who's like eight foot tall, and there's somebody out there who likes fifteen hours sleep. Like, can you imagine though? imagine you were a fifth like you're a 50 hours <laughs> like one person needs 50 hours it's like you go to work for an eight hour shift and you've got an hour that's, that's oh man i remember like when you were a wee guy it was like the school holidays you would turn your day into night you thought it was class and <laughs> up to 3am man fucking watching babe station <laughs> <laughs> computer games for me man i'd be up I, like everyone um, that goes like anyone that spends a, a long amount of time with me, right? They always comment on the fact that I never need to pee. Right? <laughs> I've never seen you. But here's here's the story behind it, right? I used to play computer games a lot as a wee man, and I I, I, I hated not finishing the level. So sometimes I'd be busting for a pee, and you know, like your wee dude would you die, right? And then you'd have to restart the level. 
well, I would just hold my piss in for like ridiculous <laughs> lengths of time, you know, like playing Crash Bandicoot. Like, no, I'm getting past <laughs> this boss. I don't care if I need a piss. Like, I'm staying <laughs> rooted to the spot. And now, like, I literally drive like five hour journeys, and folk like in the car and they're like, oh, I really need the toilet. And I'm like, what? I've been driving for three and a half hours. <laughs> what? There was a pissing blood in here. Um, but no, um, I so we're <laughs> off a tangent. So yeah, number three for me on my lead last year. I've got surround yourself with people. I'm going for deep thoughts today, right? Surround yourself with people that help you grow into the person that you are chasing, right? Now, what the, what the hell is this one? Would you mean? So everyone has. There's there's two there's two use well there's lots of use right but the, the the two use I'm going to argue is there's the 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 internal you right the real the realist version of you if you like and then there's the representative you right the person that you want people to think you are yeah um, and somewhere between those points I suppose lies the person that you really want to be like the person that, that I would say you're chasing. And the thing is, it doesn't matter what you do, right? You're never going to get to that person because as soon as you get close to it, you're going to think up something else. You're going to add something else onto, onto that that um, image in your head. But what I'd say is like, surround yourself with more people who actually help support and grow you into that image of the person you want to be. You know, like, don't surround yourself with yes men because that's not good. Like, if, if everyone just kisses your ass and tells you how great you are, then you never get challenged. And if you never get challenged, then um, life will challenge you eventually. Um, and don't surround yourself with negative Nancy's either. Like people who are just like, whenever you say shit, they're just like, that's a really bad idea. That sucks. Like you're never going to get anywhere with that. So it's, it's catching the balance um, and finding people that, um, that help you, that support you when you need support, challenge you when you need, you know, challenged. Uh, and ultimately help help you grow into that person you want to become. Yeah, like I, I've really noticed that throughout lockdown. I've networked in the podcast and stuff with a lot of good PTs and just talking to yourself and stuff. And just I think folk need you need to bounce. Like I think it's such a we live in such this is such a snide industry as well, the fitness industry. Like and what you tend to find is the good coaches bounce off each other because they're genuinely in it because they like coaching. Like they are the they are the, and then the people that maybe not that are snide. They're probably yeah. the ones that they're in it because they've got a six pack and they look good in the Ocean Beach Club profile picture, or they're a drug dealer. But, but I, I think, as yet again, I just think that we all have. Yet again, like I'm always, I'm always the kind of person that sees that everyone has the flaws, right? We we all have things we're, we're snide about. I've been snide in the past, like I've been in the fitness industry, and I've been the person who's bitched about something about well, someone. I've something things on here. I've been, I've been that person loads. Um, and and why is it? Why is the industry like that? Well, because we are a bunch of fucking self, um, pe- people who have got really low self-esteem. <laughs> like that, that is ultimately the fitness industry. It's made up of people who have terrible self-esteem. Well, in fact, there's probably two types of personal trainer out there. There's either the athlete who never made it, right? So the person who is like really athletic at school, um, and then it's just like they never managed to make it, so they're like, oh, I'm going to be a PT, right? And the the folk that that generally I'm like, what a dick, right? They're the folk that like, <laughs> they're like, they're like, oh, 
is that is that a snatch you're doing, mate? You're like, I have been practicing for um, for the past three months. Oh, mate, let me just have a go at that. Bang, <laughs> eighty kilos, like out of nowhere. Just like, oh, have you done these before? They're like, no, nah, mate, no, nah, no, nah, that's quite cool though. You're like, the fuck, <laughs> right? So you've got that camp, bitching already, and then you've got like the camp of people who who just got like low self-esteem, right? They come into the industry because they want to build themselves up. That's how, that's how they end up in here. Like for myself, get into fitness, get to train, physically build yourself up uh, and make yourself feel better yourself, right? We're all, we're all, all of us have been in it for that reason. And because our self-esteems are so fragile, when we see something that seems to challenge our view or our way of thinking, then oftentimes our way to deal with that is to break it down and attack it. Yeah, it's to be like, Ah, but that, that's shit. You know, like, that my way is better because you feel like it's challenging your way or your view. Um, and yeah, I think I think as I am maturing now, as I'm turning into a dad and things, like I'm trying to. I'm not saying I'm not still not a dick. I'm a dick. I'm still a dick. I still criticize things. Of course, I do. It's never going to go away. But I do try and challenge myself, and I do try and um, to think more about and be more self-aware about about things like that and and to sort of celebrate when people are winning you know to, to actually applaud folk when they are doing well um and when they do do things different from me and it succeeds for them because um we're, we're all we're all just trying to make it <laughs> we're, all just trying, we're all just trying to get out of here alive and do positive stuff definitely no you're absolutely right mate and um, the next one i wanted to add in was like it's a bit of a training it's not really a life lesson life training lesson you can still make great physique progress with little to none equipment. Like, so 100%. much. Like, I think it's been pretty crazy, actually. Like, like it's, it's actually kind of shocked me. In the back garden, isn't it? It's mental. Aye, like, it's actually shocked me. Like, I was talking to Nikki today in the gym, and we were actually saying that like, I actually would train at home. Like, it, it doesn't actually... Like, I like being in the gym, but, like, see, see for example... Like today, if I was really busy, or like Tuesday when I'm not in work and I'm doing admin in the house, right? And I wanted to go and train. It was in my program that week that I was going to do this, right? I would tend to make sure it was something that was in the house. It wouldn't bother me, bother me to go out in my garage now with my weighted vest and my pull-up bar and just do a full bodyweight workout. Um, and I'm not even talking like, like even, even just the bodyweight stuff that was like genuinely press-ups, sit-ups. Like I'd done a core workout every week for two weeks right i've done seven live workouts a week every single week for the full five months right and i felt like my core was in the best shape it'd ever been in because i was walking so much because i was cons- i was i'm consistent all the time but i was extremely consistent and i was doing additional training on top of it i felt as if i was in the best condition i've ever been in in my life during lockdown like i might not have had as big a chest as i usually had and my deadlift might have not been as strong but I felt genuinely like, and I watched so many other, and you need to remember as well, me and obviously me and Andrew, we've been training for a while. Our adaptations are going to be slower. I had a lot of new clients and I had a lot of people that hadn't really done much training like that. So you need to remember that it's going to be much better for them because when you're new to training, your adaptations are fucking much better. Your first six to 12 months of training, if you're consistent, are your best, your fastest growing. It may not be like you make it, if, if you're going to compare yourself to someone that's been training 10 years in front of you, it's a bit like comparing a brand new 17-year-old cars to a F1 car. It's not going to be the same thing. Like you're comparing two things that are different levels, like one's years ahead of the other one. But what I'm saying is 
you could quickly suit up, soup up that Fiat Punto. Do you know what I mean? See, if you're new to training, you can actually, <laughs> believe it or not, just be, just progressively overloading body weight squats will create adaptations to your legs. You'll see changes in your legs. Uh, doing uh, can, progressive co-workouts, where it be genuinely maybe like timed planks and numbers of setups inside a minute or something. Like if you consistently do that, you you make great differences. So. Like, I, I knew that already, but I didn't know it the way I know it now because I got five months of practice out of it and I couldn't believe the... Because um, I used to always be like, now nah, you need weights. You need weights to make progress. And you don't... Like, you, like to get like to get into peak condition the way that folk would want to, yep, but you can still make phenomenal uh, difference. And I think it, the more I seen it, it, it didn't annoy me when people used to say things like, I don't do that. They'd be like, oh, I don't do home workouts or I don't do that. And I get that you associate your environment and not everyone's a personal trainer. Like me and Andrew have businesses. We've been training for a long time. Our discipline with training is maybe different to someone else's that's new to training. But I just felt as if it was that thing like you were talking about at the beginning. Like the minute you say something, like if you imply that you don't like home workouts, you're never going to do them. Do you know what I mean? That like if you repeatedly say, it'll become a reality. Like the more you tell yourself you hate home workouts, the more distant you're going to become from a YouTube Joe Wicks workout. Do you know what I mean? The more distant you're going to become from, if you just keep going, I don't do that. It's not going to happen. So I kind of ties in with two sort of life lessons there that you can make amazing progress. Like look at gymnasts, gymnasts do not touch weights and look at the shape of them. I'm sure they, they touch some, but um, like, in fact, I remember watching a documentary with Ross Edgley where he went up against a gymnast and the gymnast could bench 60. It was the competition was a strength deficit competition. And then they were doing gymnastic competitions. So Ross Edge was a powerlifter and a, an ad, adventure athlete. And then these guys are obviously Olympic gymnasts. And the Olympic gymnasts who don't even touch a barbell could bench press their body weight for like 15 reps. Like it was crazy just because the strength that they had there, because they built that up through doing loads of calisthenics, which is all body weight. You could argue that their body weight train is pretty advanced, that they swing themselves around the bar. <laughs> but um, yeah. at the same time, it's the same principle. They just train body weight. Do you know what I mean? That's why they tend to have smaller legs. Gymnasts <laughs> tend to have little legs it's, and big tall It's upper body. Yeah, because they're swinging their upper body about with their arms. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah. No, home yeah. home is definitely. I think um, mainly it surprised me from, from a perspective that I think um, there's, there's definitely still an inner bodybuilder in me. Do you know, I, I like I like doing bodybuilding style training. Um, I, I like to always have building muscle is always one of my priorities. Is what I see how jacked I can get. You know, so um, I think it was quite surprising for me to see how much muscle you can maintain um, with such. For me, it was it was semi structured training. So. You know, usually I'm the kind of person who's got a logbook. I go into the gym on a fucking mission. I have my weights all recorded. I'm tr- I've got like a set target of what I'm trying to do every time I uh, touch the weights. Like I'm like, right, I did one sixty for five. But today's one sixty for six minimum. <clears throat> Whereas in the past six months has been more like chin ups, no reps, nothing else. Just do some chin ups and do some. Um, some single leg squats and go for a run for a couple of miles. This should be a bit more still structured, but semi-structured. There's not really like a progression. I've not been trying to push progress. And I would say that I've not lost much muscle at all over a six month period. Have I lost strength? 
yes, I've lost a, a fair bit of strength um, because the strength is neurological. Um, it's a skill that needs to be practiced, but it will come that'll, back really quickly. That will come back really quickly. That'll yeah. come, and but, it's, it's, um, but it's surprised, I suppose, just to see um, how effective training from, from the house, just doing some basic uh, calisthenic movements can be if you do it with enough intensity. Like I'm not saying I was training um, easy. Like I, was, I still was training hard, but I just wasn't pushing for progression. And I think what you're saying, like I've had a lot of clients obviously come on board with the virtual stuff and have insane results um, from doing home workouts, like just watching the live Zoom videos where there's no equipment. Um, and largely it's just because we talked about before, consistently turning up. Like people have been stuck in the house, signed up for my virtual program, stuck to it for 20 weeks and actually done four sessions a week for 20 weeks and applied the nutrition. Um, and for some people, I don't know about you, but some of the people that did the virtual for on my side really, really loved it. Like they loved the fact that it was so flexible. They loved the fact that like if they miss a session, it's okay, I can just do the recording. They love the fact that it's 30 minutes in the house and they can just do it in their pyjamas. Like, you know, they like that um, freedom that it gave them. Definitely. Um, it was a big, big eye-opener for me. Um, I'm going to kind of move on to my last point there just because... Yeah, sure. Because, I don't know. I'm just going to move on to it. Um, yeah, let's go. I think, like, one of the things as well was... A, a quote I heard a while, where, uh, a while ago was... I'll tell you a few different folk that have said it. In a world of be, is trying to be normal, you should be aspiring to be different because I think that too many people just want the norm. And things that i seen when this happened was when McDonald's opened, there was a three-hour queue. Why? Like, why? Why was there a three-hour queue for McDonald's? People love a double cheeseburger, mate. They're just like me. I know. I fucking love a double, love a double cheeseburger. I seem to do I did, I, did, I did the queue up too mad for it, though. I was there, like, one of the first ones to go, yeah. but I'm not going to lie, I was there for a double cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, and, but, look, like, I'm not just taking that, but, like, other things that it's, like, just people, I think sometimes people just crave normality. And I, I love, like, I love normality. I love my routine and stuff like that as well. But I just think that everyone gets into the positions they're in like it just bugs me when you go to a restaurant and you just see that there's cajun crepes everywhere and that there's just everything's just the same or like there's just trends of things and, and people buy into it and i think that like with since throughout lockdown and stuff like it's one of the things that's like you, you try to get people to do things that you know it's going to help them and people are resistant to it because they know it's the fear of being different like trying to get people to go out walking and they're looking at you like you've just slapped your grand, like grand, you know what I mean? You're like, why don't you go out for a walk? That's going to really help with your fat loss journey. Go out for a walk myself, you have your heat. Because it's, it, it, like, and I think it's raining. Just, it's it's raining. Ah, but it's raining, mate. It, my my favourite excuse through this whole time is the rain. Like, what is, what is up with folk that live in Scotland, right? Like, see in Spain, well... <laughs> Do you? Like, I don't really notice people... In fact, you notice the opposite, don't you? You go to Spain, right, and it's fucking roasting. And the British folk are there, like, fanning themselves, sweating bullets, and they're like, oh, this heat, man, it's too much. Spanish folk, just chill. Just, ah, this, is, this is what we expect. We live in Spain. It's sunny. This is what it does here. We're used to it. We're in suits. We don't give a fuck, right? Come to Scotland. You've been... I've been here for 30 years, Right? 
lived my whole life here. It starts pissing down, and I'm like, I'm not gonna end that. I'm not gonna end that. Yeah. Hey, embrace it. That this is this is your terrain. I know. You should get good in it. <laughs> I know. This is me. Don't be surprised if it rains. But but I think the thing I was trying to get at is I don't just don't don't in a world of being people wanting to be normal you should strive to be different and if that that means like just try and break the mold a wee bit whether that be like don't worry about what other people say don't try to meet a standard that you think other people want to do and i, I just like i just seen it when like the pubs reopened back up and it was like oh my god i need to get to the pub or this and it's just all these different things and i'm like i don't i don't see why everyone's so bothered about it like i think that obviously just what I just think it just highlights that a lot of people try to work against things instead of around them. And the minute the floodgate opens, it's just like, pile it in, pile it in. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. It's just something that is it's open my eyes to, like, why a lot of people struggle in the fitness industry. There's lots of different reasons. I've spoken about this on many podcasts. But a lot of it is just because folk have routines in place, whether that be, like, folk, like, Oh, they struggle to get results, but it's because they love going out and getting mad with it every single weekend. I used to love getting out and getting mad with it every single weekend, but at the end of the day, it's one of the biggest things that's going to hold you back. And I just think that it, it was always folk wanting to go back to normal. And I'm like, there is no normal for a while. Normal's changed. Like, just accept it and uh, try and work around it instead of trying to work against it and waiting on things to just flick back because they're not. And I think some people do. They think things are just going to go a way that they want them to go. But um, it's more, rather less and more of just that. It's just a visual that I've kind of learned there. But to be honest, it's taught me so many things. That was my five points there anyway, Andy. Um, it's taught me so many things. It's taught me a lot of valuable lessons. Um, it's taught me a lot about consistency. Um, I knew about it well, and I knew that I'd be fine if I was consistent. Just keep being consistent, and everything will be all good. And I wish more people would see that sometimes. That's probably one of the biggest things. 100%. I wish more people could see um, that it doesn't sound sexy though, does it? Like no, it just doesn't sell. But if you say if your client walks in and they're twenty pounds overweight, and you know you turn around to say to them, "Listen, the best thing you can do is, is be consistent over the next six months." They're gonna be like, "Ah, I'm not paying you for body. Six months, I want to be Ibiza shape in six weeks." I know. In the magazine, I was watching this woman, I was watching this woman on Instagram and she takes fat burners, and you should see the difference in her. I know you're like, go to Turkey and get an operation. Talking about uh, trying to have a view on things, but it's like just like a negative, but there, there, is, there is just like little pools of the fitness industry. That I despise without all my being because it's just a, a ploy to pull cash out of people's pockets. Yeah. Um, with unethical products like when you're talking about Ronaldo with his ab belt, like that is unethical. Like Ronaldo saying, "Get us ab belt, you can be like me." It's like, mate, and folk buying it, right? I and know. That's, it's a shame. I, I think it's human nature. Human nature. We we love to think that there's like a a really. We just love to think that there's a a unicorn deal out there, like this magic deal. You know, if we we all get in it. We all like, and it, and it depends on like, like what um. Everyone's got their thing. You know what I mean? Like some folk, it's fitness. Like they'll see something fitness, but like, oh, that's new and shiny, and oh, there's a new shake out, a fat loss shake. I'm gonna try that. Um, 
So, anyway, um, so I mean, my, my last point just to round off on these on these kind of lessons of a lot then, um, is about finding a mentor, right? <laughs> find a mentor that and that's ahead of you and balances your perspective. Um, and it kind of ties in it again with surround yourself with people that help you grow into the person that you're chasing that you want to become. Um, I am a stubborn motherfucker. Um, and I, when I started in my business, didn't want to be told by MD. <laughs> I just wanted to run the shit myself um, until 2000 and... Uh, must have been 2017 or 2018 and I enrolled the help of a mentor for the first time. And I was just like, right, same as you, you know, I got like, you get fully booked. And I was like, this, there's got to be something different. Like this is just can't be it. Um, and it opened my eyes up to group training. Um, but that mentor just didn't fit with me. They were they, a great, great mentor, got a lot from it, but, they didn't balance my perspective, is what I would say. Um, they didn't tie them with me. And then I had another mentor, um, bounced about. And then lastly, the mentor I've had now, which I've had uh, for the past six months or whatever, so just in Devonshire, we plug for him. Um, and definitely find that he is the yin and yang for me. He's able to give me a better perspective. I find that for me, I think a, a lot of us, when, when you're in your business, you sometimes get quite emotional. When you're in anything, you get quite emotional about it. Um, and having someone who's not emotionally attached to it and has a level head, like just get you to to give them the facts. Like, you know, like I go to Justin and it's just like, right, right, can you give me the facts? Like what, what is actually the factual things that are happening? I don't care about this one person who had this one problem. I want to know like, what's the consensus? And then you're like, then they just say, oh yeah, everyone sounds cool. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous but it's very helpful. Um, and also them also be able to give you solutions because they are a steps ahead of you, you know, because they've encountered the problem you haven't solved. And that, and this ties in, this is me talking about my business because that's what I have a mentor for. You can have mentors for loads of different things. You can call personal training on some level as mentorship. It's someone mentoring you through your health and your fitness. Um, and, you know, you, yet again, probably when you choose a personal trainer, you want someone that, is that balances your perspective out, you know? If, for example, if you go into your PT and you're the kind of person that tends to be low motivation, you're like, oh, dragging your feet. You probably want someone who's a bit bouncy and is like, right, how's it going, mate? How's things that you're ready to go? You know, <laughs> let's, let's liven you up. Let's get you exercising. Um, and if you're someone who's like full of energy and full of beans and just like goes 100 miles an hour, you maybe need a PT who's actually going to like... Yeah. So, and go through the nutrition stuff, the stuff that you probably don't want to. You know what I mean? Like it's finding the, the right balance. But I think mentorship for me um, has been a lesson, not just through lockdown, but just probably in the past uh, three or four years is putting my ego aside and saying, I'm going to have someone support and guide me a little bit as opposed to just trying to be, a, just trying to be the one man show and just do it all myself. Oh, definitely, mate. I completely agree with that. Um... 100%. Like, I think a lot of folk are resistant to it, and I think more people need to be open to it. But I've something that I've mentioned it so many times in podcasts that because I've done it as well, and it's such a big thing. Um, so, last point um, obviously, they were all our 10 lessons. They're really, really good points. Went off on a lot of different tangents there as well. Um, week one of the gyms reopening, 
I'm just going to reel off my points here, Andy. Then I'll let you reel off yours, and then we'll just yep. reel it off, right? So why Very is good. my phone is literally just made my computer's just saying it's going to be loads of beeps in the podcast. It's not going to sound professional, and uh, so. Number one, gym anxiety is a thing. 100% it's a thing. Didn't even think about it before. I, I really didn't. I didn't even like take it into consideration before my clients. Of course it's going to be a thing. Like I, I was like in my head going, oh, this is going to be like January 2.0. To be honest, I don't think it is. I think that um, a lot of people, like, so say for example, when the gyms in January uh, reopen, they're really busy. Now, there's a lot of different reasons for that. Because it's the norm. That's why, as I was saying already, it's the norm. It's what people do. It's just regular that people, people do that. They stop training because, oh, I drink over Christmas and I go out for meals, so I don't train. And, and that's why a lot of people do stop. But at the same time, a lot of people maybe restart. So you've got people that have maybe broken off because they've taken a bit of time off over the Christmas period. And then you've got people that genuinely are completely new to training. They've taken 30 years out of training. They're returning for a resolution, which is fine. Now, like this pandemic is actually taking away people that consistently trained away from training for five, six months, like, and they've swept the carpet from under their feet. So them taking them out of that environment and then putting them back, this isn't just someone that chose, this is someone that didn't choose to stop exercising. And as a result of that, they didn't know what to do because he didn't have the gym there. So it's completely normal to feel that way about returning. Um, so what would my advice be for that? It would be, just go for it. Like if you were someone that consistently trained already, you're going, as Andrew said, even with strength, confidence, it's going to come back very quickly um, and you're going to regain things. Like, And I think, to be I honest... Say, like, go, on your, go on your favourite machine. Hi. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if you feel anxious, find that the machine that makes you comfortable, which is for me, is find that big old barbell. Yeah. <laughs> go and, go and get that. You know, some people, it's the treadmill, like they feel comfortable on a treadmill to start. So get on that comfort comfortable place in the gym some people find the weights area scary i'd say the first step is go to the most comfortable place in the gym <laughs> and, and get yourself in there i've been getting a lot of clients in this week well i never get like i was i've actually made a video about this it's going up tomorrow and um, warming up and i've actually been getting people to jump on their own machine and warm up even if we're doing weights because i can sit and chat to them for like three to five minutes or so bring that anxiety down a wee bit yeah, calm it down because I know that everybody's feeling it and it's sort of like I've, I think I've took about I don't know about 15 sessions this week or something and uh, in the gym and like everyone's just said is it normal to feel this way about coming in and these are all people that like know what they're doing like a lot of my clients like they really really do and they've, they've trained with me and the live stuff throughout some of them have done their own thing and it, it's just you're taking someone out of an environment and then putting yourself back into it like I even noticed that I went to I've been to the pub once um, since they reopened, I went to the law firm and oven and was chatting to folk out in the beer garden and stuff like that. And I felt socially awkward. Like, hadn't been in a pub and socialised like that in so long. And I was like, I just felt strange. So it is, it's normal to feel like that. Um, and the second point to remember, like, and I just want to put it out there for anyone listening, this pandemic isn't going anywhere anywhere soon. It's not going anywhere anywhere soon. It's still very, very likely do you know what I mean? Like Glasgow's went into it. It's like, I know about the lot. It's not like a very, very strict lockdown. There's parts of Scotland now, like the, the spiking up and stuff like that. Like, if you are reckless and you're entering a gym, you need to realise that you could potentially shut down someone's business because of your reckless behaviours. Like, see if you're going out, 
getting mad at the weekend, not following all the stuff, and you walk in and you cause an outbreak of COVID, it might not even be an outbreak, it might be just the fact that you've been tested positive and you enter the gym, you could be absolutely destroying someone's livelihood. So, yeah. like... Well, I've had, I've had it today, I've had my first sort of contact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so one of my clients um, texted me today to say that they are, I'm going to name names, but their son, I think it's Kumalik Academy, I can say that much because I think it's in the news. There's been like a little outbreak. Um, and therefore, uh, this client in particular is having to isolate um, for the next 14 days until they get their test results back. So I think that's going to be a common occurrence um, yeah. from now on. And I, I don't know if you've noticed as well, like, um, like a, <clears throat> at the start, no, at the start of last week, I had the cold, um, and that was just a pain in the ass because it like it was just the sniffles that my daughter picked up from nursery. But um, you're just so anxious that you're like as soon as you get out, like any sort of illness, I was like panicking about it, um, and I went and got tested, obviously, and then got it all clear. And then, you know, I was listening to the radio and it was like the guy who's the heads up the NHS and he was like, you know, people who pick up the sniffles, like, you know, if you've not got a persistent cough, da, 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 like, you really shouldn't be going to the test centre because you're basically wasting a test because this is just the cold that goes round. But there's also like, it's like mixed emotions in it because like on one side, you're like, well, I want to know if I've got it because it's important that I figure it out, like test and trace, you know, that keeps getting pushed on us. And then the other side, you're hearing things like, yeah, it's probably just the cold that's kicking about. So there's definitely going to be lines crossed here where some people, you know, who, you know the people, people who are a bit haphazard are going to end up having a bit of a cough, probably have the COVID, like have COVID and be like, it's probably just the cold that's kicking about and then end up fucking spreading it everywhere. And you're going to have the opposite. You're going to have like a huge mass of people who are, like are anxious and end up going to test centers and are, there's no need for them to go to test center. Yeah, I think we're at a stage right now, it's invisible, so you can't tell. And then obviously you're sitting there going, what do I do and stuff? And I've had a point where like this, on the other night, I really, I ate so much Haribo and I actually went to bed and I felt so ill. And the next, I had a terrible night's sleep because of it and I was out in the cold weather from my boot camp and I was so ill and I was coughing and spluttering and I'm sitting going, have I got COVID? I'm like, no, you just fucking had a terrible night's sleep and you've been out in the fucking cold weather, you daft. And I feel fine, absolutely fine. But um, in yard, you're sitting question. I've got 50 boot camp members and I've got like 20, what is it, like 17 to 20 one-to-one clients. And it's like everything would have to get put on pause. Like if, you know, it's, it's one of those things and then you're like, you're absolutely, so it's, it's, a, it's a weird one. But what I'm saying is obviously, Wait, just take what like being in a gym take the precautions you need to like clean down everything keep social distancing in place even though you might see one of your mates mates don't go over and pure high five them and hug them like just keep it the same because at the end of the day we've waited five months to get these bad boys back open man and we don't want them closing on us anytime soon so um i if you are listening still keep it in place and then losing um anxieties and, and stats because I like facts but in England they open the gyms up obviously earlier than they have in Scotland and for every 10,000 cases eh, 10,000 gym visits there's 0.2 cases um, so it's you've got a very very low risk and, and the cases that have been found all that's been said is that the people who um, those cases are positive 
have been in a gym. It doesn't mean they caught it at the gym. It just means that it was part of the the places that were they were in. So your risk in a gym environment, as long as it, the gym um, prioritizes health and safety like it should, and is really low, like it is low. Yeah, and uh, the last yeah. one, I'm absolutely just buzzing to get back and bench press. I love bench press. <laughs> Um, and I've been fucking myself up on the assault bike as well this week in the ski erg. I like doing that. So um, that's been my sort of my, my view of the week. I've just, to be honest, I've just been uh, buzzing to get back in and do work with my clients on resistance training and use some of the conditioning areas and stuff like that. Like I just love doing stuff like that and I like that type of training. It's just good. It was it was such a buzz on Monday. Like see so going in and like all our personal trainers with the same sort of high that you're feeling and stuff like that. It was good. It was nice. Um, so that was obviously um, for me. I'm back in tomorrow for the first time at the gym on Friday tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, looking forward to seeing some clients in the gym. See how it goes. Yeah. Have you got anything else to add in, mate? Um, yeah, just to end up, like, suppose my, my kind of our thoughts of the week, if you like, um, are, yeah, so I think, I think two things I like, I like making predictions hey? so like I think there's going to be more I think more people are going to engage in outdoor training going forward now I think there's nah, mate, I honestly like I really really do maybe not maybe not through the winter but I think it's something that will continue to grow yeah. um, because a lot of people have had a wee taste of it like certainly for me like going out we're talking about there like going out for a walk every day um, is not something I would usually do but I've been walking pretty much every day for the past five or six months and some uh, level but 10 minutes or half an hour or an hour trek um, and I really enjoy it it's great getting outdoors um, and yeah we've been fortunate with the weather but even when it's been crap weather or, or what people would call crap weather I've still enjoyed it um, and I think there'll be a lot of people in um, who, who have found that as well and I think there'll be a, a bit of growth in outdoor training people doing more cycling more running um, trail running all that kind of stuff I think you'll see a bit of a boom and especially when races start to go back on and all these things go back on I think we'll see a, a nice wee boost in outdoor training people wanting to get outdoors and secondly um, another thing is, is fitness tracking I don't know it's a growing sector but I think it's going to go I just think it's going to go from strength to strength now. you know you get Fitbits yeah. Um I think that there's already small gyms doing this, so you can see how it's gonna go into big gyms. I don't know if you've heard of like something called like my zone. Yeah, they so tell you like your a, zones and a workout yeah, on it. Those like small gyms, like small communities gyms are, are bringing these in. So every member has one, they, they wear it at every session. Some of them just like wear it all the time and it gives like stats and then they get put on like a leaderboard for that gym. So say it was like the gym group, Kilmarnock, so they'd have the gym group leaderboard and they would have like, you know, someone in number one spot who does the most steps or, you know, trains with the high, highest intensity. Kind of gamifying things, but people love that. You know what I mean? People like really, really enjoy, well, not everyone, but a lot of people enjoy that sort of c- competitiveness. Um, so I think that, I think that's going to be a big th- new thing in, in fitness industry once we get back on how long how long that takes depending on the vaccine and stuff. But yeah, the next um, year or two, I think, you know, my fitness pal, like it, it's going to take, I wonder who's going to be the first to do it, but who can combine all these elements together in one tidy package. So, so someone that can put like, you know, my fitness pal with Strava, with my zone into like one monster app that's just 
get a great interface. Yeah. There you go. Somebody, somebody needs to jump on that and build that out. I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, um, I don't have anything else to add in. Um, thank you for coming on as a second appearance on the KDH podcast, mate. I really, really appreciate it. Awesome, mate. It's been great. Always always a long one when it's me and you, just so I can go back and forth. But um, good man. Um, and I hope people have got some value from it, from our little our lessons, our 10 lessons, our 10 big lessons. Yeah, big um, lessons. Over yeah. And yeah. hopefully I get to come back on for a third go. Definitely. Third time lucky. Yeah, after the second pandemic came on. Um, <laughs> after the second wave. <laughs> right, anyway, ladies and gents, standard procedures. Get it screenshotted. Tag me and Andrew in your stories on Facebook and Instagram. Share the message. And if anyone is interested as well, there's going to be a second wave of the KDH Fit and Forty Challenge not COVID, the KDH Fit and Forty Challenge, um, running from K-Park in Kilmarnock. So if you are interested in it and working with me, um, obviously drop me a DM and we'll get started. Anyway, team, catch you in a bit. Bye.